and I are both uh, out of the hospital. We're both checked into Intercontinental Suites Hotel, which is on the campus of Cleveland Clinic. And uh, Nicole just got out recently, and um, she is breaking all the records. So uh, she is absolutely a living miracle. And so she is ahead of schedule. And um, we still have a, she still has a long way to go on her recovery, but uh, she is doing very, very well. And so her sons are here taking care of her. We do need you to be praying for her sister, who was her primary caretaker. She's gotten sick, and so she's resting in another. Hey, Family Church, Pastor Adam here. Hopefully we'll you're uh, having again, a great Sunday today. Anything. And i uh, just give you all an update. So um, Nicole and I are both uh, out of the hospital. We're both checked into Intercontinental Suites Hotel, which is on the campus of Cleveland Clinic. And uh, Nicole just got out recently, and um, she is breaking all the records. So uh, she is absolutely a living miracle. And so she is ahead of schedule, and um, we still have a... She still has a long way to go on her recovery, but uh, she is doing very, very well. And so her sons are here taking care of her. We do need you to be praying for her sister, who was her primary caretaker. She's gotten sick, and so she's resting in another facility, so she can't be near Nicole right now. So they'd like to get back together. And um, Danielle, is, of course, uh, needs your prayers. She's putting up with me and uh, taking good care of Nicole, too, in JJ's absence. And so, um, so anyways, I'm just resting. And uh, I know the pictures look like I'm having a good time, but basically I get up for an hour and then I sleep the rest of the day. So everything wears us out. And, um, and so and I, I don't... Uh, takes me a while to think of what I'm going to say and all of that, but uh, uh, no complaints. And um, I should be home sometime this week and I'm going to continue to rest from home. Um, so anyways, continue the prayers. I love all the uh, love, receiving all the love on Facebook and, and all of that. It means the world to me. Uh, the kids, you guys sent us some cards. If your kids sent us a card, thank you. Thank them for us. I want to introduce our speaker today. Uh, Pastor Lloyd Craycroft is one of my heroes. And um, so growing up uh, in church and, you know, I was familiar with the gospel and, and uh, knew that I loved Jesus, but there was a couple people that would come through and preach that would remind me of what this faith is all about and would remind me of what our purpose really is uh, when we choose to follow Jesus. And so Pastor Lloyd has his, uh, for as long as I've known him, has served the poor uh, the, the, the lesser thans, and, and his main purpose in his life is to see them saved, set free from poverty, set free from addiction. And so he runs uh, Victory Ministries, and they have the Center of Hope in Whitehall, which is one of the most special places in, uh, in Columbus and in Central Ohio, and they're actually getting ready to do uh, other locations across the state. And so um, this man puts his faith uh, to the test uh, on a daily basis. And uh, he makes sure that these people encounter the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and, and uh, not just getting uh, food and, and uh, clothing and, and help with counseling and things like that, but he makes sure that they find out that Jesus loves them and that he has a plan for their life. So with that being said, would you please welcome my friend, Pastor Lloyd Craycroft, to the stage today. God bless you. Good morning. Adam texted me last night, and uh, I'm so blessed to be able to get to see that video. Um, praise God. 
what a miracle. So just to be able to do what he did, uh, that, that medical science has figured out those kinds of things. Who knew? Your liver will grow back, you know. So he's, uh, he's definitely needing all that prayer. So don't let a day go by where you don't support your pastor by holding him up to the throne of grace and declaring health and healing over him. Amen? In fact, why don't we start out just by joining together and praying for him and for Nicole. Father, we come to you because we believe and trust you and your word. And we thank you, God, that healing is the children's bread. And we just believe that the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings for Adam and Nicole. We now pray and unite our hearts together, according to Matthew 18, 18, and 19, that clearly by the stripes of Jesus, they were healed. So we bring our faith together, and we speak your holy word over them, healing, health, vigor, restoration, and that they would be back with us soon. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I think I want to start first by thanking you for being part of the Center of Hope. And, you know, as partners, that Family Church is a, a, a full partner with the Center of Hope. And as partners, you, you share in all the things that God does there, some of which you're going to hear about today, and others you can get our literature in the back there and find out more, and, of course, websites and all that. You can, you can do all that. Um, some of you volunteer, which is awesome. And over the years, you know, of course, we have a lot of history uh, with a lot of this congregation I preached from this stage the first time 31 years ago, and uh, I was just two then. And, and so I, I, I just am I'm always blessed when I'm able to reconnect with family, and this is family. Um, I was noticing the sign on the side of the church, uh, 1866, one year after the end of the Civil War. This church has been here for a while. And God's presence is here. You know, God's presence uh, actually has a tangible feature to it. And when you pray enough and you're worshiping God enough in an area, it begins to take on his character. So there's just been decades and decades and 150 years of worshiping God in this place. Uh, also, I don't know, I, maybe you remember you had a toy box here at Christmas. It was called Toys for Joy. And you all collected toys, and you made it possible for some little boys and girls that weren't going to have any toys under their trees uh, to have them. So bottom line is we thank you. We're honored that you've chosen to be partners with us. So having, having just um, started there, what I'd like to do is show you this video, and then uh, we'll begin to share the Word of God. What I would like to do is share this video. <laughs> 
I do know that the Bible says that through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Are we going to be a go here, technical people? It's not working. It's a really good video. <laughs> but we'll just move right along. If you'd like to see it, go to our website, victorycoh.org. And it's right on the front. And it talks about who we are and our, really our paradigm of what, what we're about. When someone asked me, you know, what do you do at the Center of Hope? Uh, it's really simple. We do hope. We basically just do hope. Because we've come to realize that without that substance called hope, there isn't even anything that that your, um, that your faith can anchor itself to. So, if someone's hope gets buried or gets extinguished, it becomes a very dark and lonely place. So for us, what it ends up being for us to do, it's all about bringing hope to people who have lost it. There's a... Um, a couple that came to see us about, I don't know how many months ago. Their name is Kara and Nick. And when they came through the door, there was a certain note of desperation on them. And you could tell they were flustered and desperate and something was going on. Apparently, they had been to six other food pantries that day, and they, were, they, they weren't either on the right hours or wasn't the right day, and they had just kept getting turned away. Uh, when they arrived at our food pantry, we also, you need an appointment, but we can usually work someone in. So we told them, okay, you come back in an hour, and then we'll help you. And this is the note that Kara brought uh, on a little scrap of paper. She goes, I truly appreciate the help you're giving us. I don't have a card to or a thank you note, but you have come into our lives at the most difficult time. Your help is so important to us, and you gave us hope. My son died on Christmas Eve on 2016, and I cannot seem to get over this loss. My sister has stolen all my clothes, and my bed linens and everything are gone, and so I found you today, and I knew God was real because we went to six different places, and we were turned down because it wasn't the right day. Bless God bless you all. It gives me hope to know that there are still caring people like you in the world. Now, we, do, we go through this kind of scenario a lot where people are just at their wits' end. You know, everyone that we serve isn't just what we would call um, uh, public aid poor, you know, just generational, generational, generational poor. We serve and help a lot of people who had a job this time last year but they've lost it, or something bad happened in their lives, and two or three things in a row, and the next thing you know, they're at a center of hope needing uh, help with food. And think about if you had to do that yourself, or maybe you have, but think about that first time, and what it would be like, and how humiliated you would feel, and how you would go, how did I get to this place? How is it that I'm this person? We work hard at making those people feel welcome and not to feel that way, but the best way we do it is we love on them. But this is only really the beginning of this story. As Kara and Nick got into intake, 
uh, the, the intake prayer attendant told me later that she noticed she was wearing men's clothes. And finally, she just out of embarrassment said, I am so sorry, I have no clothes. I'm wearing my husband's clothes because my sister stole all mine. And then when it got time for us to pray for her, she didn't really ask for prayer about all these other needs they had. The need became about this loss of their son. Because what the whole story is, is that on Christmas Eve, he had dropped a firearm, a pistol, and it had discharged, and it hit him in the head right in their kitchen, and it killed him. Now, as, as we began to talk to them and talk to them about what happened, after the area was determined it was not a crime scene anymore, and after the, and was ruled an accident, and after the morgue, you know, the, the, the son's body went to the morgue, the father cleaned up what was the mess. The father cleaned it up. And he, he told our prayer person, he said, I never should have done that. Obviously, he never should have done it. The trauma then took on pretty deep roots. And the reason that they're not over it is because they're not over it. They got buried in the depth of this horrific thing that happened to them. So as they begin to pray this couple began to weep. And as they began to weep, more and more they began to open up. So they began to, they were holding them, they were hugging them, and then when the time came for them to move through the rest of the ministry, they took them into the clothing room. We have a boutique, a clothing boutique, and got them as much clothing as they needed. We have limits, but not on that day. Got them as much clothing as they needed. Took them back to the rear part of that area, and they got what we call, um, we call these little um, startup kits, personal care items, bedding, towels, dishes. So we, we loaded them down with all the things that they were gonna need to get started. More tears, more crying, more weeping, more love. Then they go to the food pantry, and they just get blessed beyond more tears, more crying, and then referred to our counseling ministry because they needed not just pastoral care, they needed clinical counseling. There's trauma in the business of um, clinical counseling. There's little T traumas and there's big T traumas. Well, this is a big T with an exponential on it, making it like giant of what they went through. So... When you connect with the center of hope in any way, you're doing this. You're, you're becoming the answer to these people who, in many cases, are having their lives crushed. Proverbs 14.25 says, A true witness rescues lives. A true witness rescues lives. You look like rescuers to me. You know, the true beauty of following Jesus is that he shares his heart, and he shares his mission, and then he sends us out to rescue those who are perishing, and he leads us to their aid. Some are drowning in addiction, others in grief and trauma, 
Still others have the pain of loneliness and millions are in the grip of poverty. Too many. But we can be an agent of change. You can be an agent of change. And many of these scenarios that are before us, we can make a difference because Jesus has made you a full partner. You are a full partner with Jesus Christ. Uh, the scripture says that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, ever making intercession for us. So Jesus isn't here on the planet like he was. But guess who is? His followers. We're here. And the mandate has not changed, not even a little bit. In John 14, you know, Jesus, in, that, in the discourse in John 14, he says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit, who's going to abide with you forever, and he's going to guide you into all truth. Oh, that we could learn to listen to the Holy Spirit and then do his bidding. There are so many around us that are waiting for somebody to step up to the plate. They're there and they're waiting. And see, they don't need Superman. They just need somebody who cares. In fact, most of the time when I get involved in any level of ministry, I feel very ill-equipped. I feel like I don't know what to say to the person who lost the child, or I don't know what to say to the person who lost the job of 30 years, or I don't know what to say. But I have found out that when I go there, and I make myself available, Jesus is there too, and the Holy Spirit is there too, and answers are there too. I mean, how did Jesus evangelize anyway? How did he share the gospel? What did he do to gain followers? You know, um, I guess he could have in today's world, I guess he could have uh, tried a social media blitz. You know, I mean, uh, connecting to social media and a lot of the, the younger pastors, have, they have a, a new model, and, and, include, and there's nothing wrong with social media. We have a Facebook page. You should like us on Facebook. Um, but I wonder if Jesus would have used the, the social media, even though the competition is very fierce. Maybe we would have counseled Jesus to uh, create a marketing campaign that would drive our target audience to the website. Well, here's what Jesus did. It was really quite simple. He went about the cities, the villages. In other words, he went to the people, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing the sick. Teaching, preaching, and healing. You know, you can gain a lot of followers if you heal enough of them. You can gain a lot of followers if you unconditionally love them. You can gain a lot of followers if you feed them. In other words, Jesus met needs of people right where they were, right where they lived. It didn't matter if they were outcasts. In fact, Jesus kind of preferred outcasts, it looks like. It sure, certainly didn't matter if they were poor and they could not repay him because Jesus loved the poor. Jesus drew followers because he listened to their cries, and then he brought answers. And he led, them to, he led them to the Father. And when they went away from Jesus, they knew that they had answers, that they had met the answer. You know, Jesus, obviously, he had great faith. But he also expected us 
to have that faith too. We're supposed to listen to his teachings. We're supposed to listen to his preaching. And then we're supposed to go to the masses. You know, one of, one of the sermons that I shared, I've shared for ever since I've been in the ministry is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, in the book of Acts, Jesus said, go. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, book of Acts, Jesus said, go. In Luke 9, where you have the feeding of the 5,000, where you have that, that uh, you know, most scholars believe that at the lowest estimate, there had to be 12,000 people there because it says in, in addition, there were women and children. So picture that out on that field. And what did Jesus say to the disciples? Does anybody know what Jesus said to the disciples? Yeah, that's it. He said, you feed them. And he didn't say that just because he wanted to make the story have some preaching points, because it's a wonderful preaching point. He believed, you're following me, you're my disciple, and I've taught you how to believe God for a miracle. You feed them. He expected them to feed them. Then in John 14, 12, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these. Basically, it means more works than these. Because I'm going to go to my Father. Do we have any believers here today? It's, he said, he who believes in me. Raise your hand if you're a believer. We have believers here today. He who believes in me, the works that I do will he do. So guess what? Then you shall do the works of Jesus too. You're destined, or at least you can. Then he passed the baton to his followers. That's you and me. And if look at me, uh, look with me at Ephesians 2:10. This is an amazing verse, and you should have it underlined, and then you should study it, and then you should break it apart with the Greek. For 4.99, you can get the Strong's Concordance app, and it'll change your life in Bible study habits. And you can exegete scriptures in minutes, both Greek and Hebrew. I, I don't get a commission for that. It's just that that app, that app just makes Bible study so rich. It's the Strong's Concordance. It used to be 4.99. Look at Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So this is a defining verse. This word workmanship, it literally means a product, a fabric, or a thing being made. I mean, you are God's handiwork and created or formed by the creator for intrinsically good or noble works. So let's put this paraphrase together. We are God's product or thing being made. We're his special work. Created or reborn, we've been born again from above, created or reborn by the Creator in Christ Jesus for meaningful works, now listen to this, that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So before time existed, here, here's before time existed. He prepared these works that you're going to walk in. So we bring it here and you're his workmanship. So he brings it into the 20th, 21st century, and he goes, here's what I'm working in you now to do what I ordained you to do back there, and I'm bringing it into the now before, I prepared it beforehand, you're going to walk in it now, 
and it's going to be a good work, a life-changing work, a virtuous work, a noble work. God has ordained us to walk in these special works, but here's what is special about it. He's going to conform you into the image of His Son while you're doing it. By having us walk in these works, that's how we walk out what He wants to do in our lives. It is that critical. It's not only that it needs to be done, that God needs workers, because Lord knows He does. And, it, you know, in, um, I think it's also in Luke 9 or, it's in, or Matthew 9, one of those, it says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that laborers will come in to the harvest. God needs laborers. But this really is more about you and I being changed than about even the work that we do. His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. So, I want to read you another testimony. This is one of our newsletters from November. And this is a, a, about a woman who lost five family members in a very short period of time. And in fact, two of them died from gun violence, and two of them died within days of each other. Five. And this neighbor couldn't hold up under the pressure. And I'm just going to read these couple of paragraphs. The neighbor could not hold up under the pressure of the trauma, this imaginable loss, unimaginable loss, and began drinking heavily, sinking deeper and deeper into despair and depression. And the future had no meaning for her, and she was now spiraling out of control. She sat that day in one of, with one of our kind-hearted, caring prayer attendants and was loved and listened to. For so many, this is what makes the difference for them, knowing that they're heard and that somebody truly cares. For others such, in such deep despair, um, they must have even more. And it wasn't long before this woman was in our clinical counseling ministry at Hope Counseling. It's called Hope Counseling. She received the deep trauma care she desperately needed. A few months later, she returned and met with this care attendant to share the incredible story of her restoration. After many appointments, she reported how God had healed her pain, given her new perspective, and this woman is so changed, now living each day with renewed hope. Uh, these are real stories. These are real people. It gets multiplied day after day after day. But I try to pick out some for us to realize there's so many hurting in the world, and sometimes we are the answer. What a privilege it is. Uh, you know, what did Jesus say was his food? To do the will of the Father. It is my food to do the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? Love God, love people. You know, how did, how did Jesus sum up the entire Old Testament? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How did he sum up the whole Old Testament? Because that's what it says in the Old Testament, it says, all the law and the prophets hang on this one verse. Love God and love people. We try to make it, not necessarily always on purpose, but it becomes complicated. It's really not complicated. Love God, love people. So, the book of Titus, interesting book. I call it the, I call it the book of good works. Because in this little book of Titus, the Apostle Paul is telling Titus and instructing Titus how to set up the church in Crete. 
This is an unenviable task to set up a church in a whole city, especially because the Cretans were not known for being that easy to work with. So he admonishes, he, Paul admonishes Titus to appoint elders, uh, but then he also, of the highest quality, but then he says, admonish everyone else and require excellence of them also, of men, women, young, and old. And throughout the letter, he stresses the necessity for working out our salvation by actually doing practical works. It's a wonderful book of instruction, but notably, but particularly the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3, in the span of 17 verses, Paul says four times this. He says, likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing themselves to be a pattern of good works. Exhort the young men to show themselves to be a pattern of good works. Then he goes on in verse 11, and he says, Looking for the blessed hope of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. 3.1, he says, remind them that are subject to the rulers and authorities to obey and be ready for good works. Then he says in verse 3.8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. So four verses, pattern of good works, zealous for good works, ready for good works, and maintain good works. Do you think maybe God is trying to make a point? Do you think the Apostle Paul is maybe trying to make a point? I love it when God does this. He says it, he says it, he says it, and then he says it again. I know from my own personal experience that if my life becomes void of service, I don't have a life. I know that for me personally to connect with Jesus, I have to be active in gospel presentation. I have to be active... See, the gospel isn't the words. The gospel is taking and breaking open the word of life and taking it to the world. Um, I do realize that even in my Bible, Jesus spoke and read. However, I realize that where Jesus really speaks is through you and me. And we have to really take that so much to heart. You know, Jesus lived his life for others. He still does. He served God. He served people. He was a connector. He was a bridge builder. I mean, Jesus was always building bridges, uh, building bridges to the social outcasts, building bridges to the prostitutes, building bridges to the tax collectors. These were the people that, that the, 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 the establishment would not accept. But to be the church, we must love God, love others, but we must serve both. To be the church, we must love God and love others, but serve both. You see, serving Jesus is different than serving others, though. Serving Jesus means we obey him. When you serve others, you don't obey them. It's submitting your resources to them as if they were Jesus. Let me read that one again. Serving others is not obeying them. It's submitting our resources to them as if they were Jesus. That's a lot to swallow, isn't it? That's not easy. Wait a minute. They don't deserve it. Neither did you. Well, well, wait a minute. This is going to be inconvenient. Yes, it is. But I can, I can tell you 
and I, I just believe I can speak from a certain position of experience and authority. If we will surrender our lives to Jesus to the point where we will take him out of the four walls of the church, you're going to encounter a Jesus you never knew. Because there's one Jesus experience that's in here. And it's, it's pretty awesome, right? I mean, the praise and the worship and the presence. But there's another Jesus experience out there that where you take the church to the streets. I have never felt God's presence any stronger than when I've been on the streets of like Bourbon Street in the Mardi Gras. I haven't been for some years, but I've been to 10 Mardi Gras. Uh, fortunately, mine were all as a believer and as a witness for Christ. I didn't go the other way. Although when I was in the world, I wanted to, so I'm not trying to say I was you know, trying to sugarcoat my past. My past was depraved. But I have never felt Jesus' presence stronger than on Bourbon Street, right in the middle of New Orleans and the Mardi Gras. Why is that? Because light shines brighter in darkness. So, I have a little bit different thing to share here as I come in for a landing. I have a little bit of a different twist on, on the Lenten season. Uh, not everyone grew up in liturgical background type church. I grew up in a Baptist church that did not observe Lent. I had to learn about Lent much later in my Christian walk. I wasn't, a, I wasn't familiar with what Lent was. My wife Janice grew up in the Catholic church, so they ate fish every Friday. Um, and, and Lent was very much part of their lives. Well, to observe Lent is a good thing. I mean, it, it means you're, it's going to be a time of repentance and a time to confront sinfulness in your life. It's 40 days following Ash Wednesday, in case you're not familiar with it. It follows Ash Wednesday, and it leads up to uh, Easter. And if you, you try to count the days, you have to almost read the rules. You don't count Sundays. It ends on Maudie Thursday. And so that's different. I mean, that's all aside. But the idea of it can be very meaningful. It can be a very meaningful experience. And uh, Christians who observe Lent cor correctly, they, they really experience a deeper intimacy with God. And usually it involves some sort of self-denial. Christians have historically fasted to show repentance. What if in observing Lent, and you know, Lent started Wednesday, in case you weren't aware, Lent started Wednesday. What if in observing Lent this year, instead of or in addition to giving something up or even fasting, what if we gave something out? That, would, that connects with me a lot more, I think. Oh, not that, you know, the, 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 the self-denial piece is not bad. I mean, fasting is good. A fasting practice is very good to draw close to God. But what if every day when I got up, I was spending enough time with the Lord and letting him lead me to give something out? Well, what could it look like? Well, it could look a thousand different ways because there's a thousand different things you could do. Uh, let me take a stab at a few. Maybe you would say yes to someone when it's inconvenient. Or help a mom with young children and try to help her preserve her sanity. You know, we raised four children. We have six grandchildren. We know what insanity looks like. It's called, I'm three years old, and I'm going to turn the house upside down. 
and oh wait, there's a two-year-old and a five-year-old. Yeah, she needs help. And maybe offering to help her, maybe helping around the church. John, do you need any help around the church? He's not here. Maybe volunteer somewhere like the Center of Hope or volunteer anywhere. Maybe buy somebody lunch. Uh, show kindness to someone who cannot reciprocate. That's always the best. Bless somebody or help somebody who can't pay you back. Give something to someone who doesn't deserve it. That's always a good one for waking up your spirit. Or you fill in the blank. So if this resonates with you, it sounds like something you're looking for, or if you'd like to join me in this exercise, here's what I would encourage you to do. Find a Lenten daily reading program, which you need the U version of the Bible. If you have a, uh, an iPhone or an Android or whatever, it's a free app. It's the best Bible app out there, and it's got reading plans. I looked this morning. There's dozens of Lenten plans, devotionals that you can do. Start out with one of those every morning. Then, after you read this devotional, then ask the Lord, Lord, lead me today to who I'm supposed to help, who I'm supposed to give out to. And it could be a little thing or it could be a bigger thing. But if you start getting deliberate, remember what it said in Titus 3.1, that we're supposed to be ready to do good works? This is getting ready. This is getting ready to do good works. This is doing them on purpose. And there's plenty of days between now and Easter that you could, you could easily do 20 to 25 acts of kindness in some way, and I believe you will be changed. So be on the lookout for them, though. Be on the lookout, because God's going to want to open your eyes to opportunities around you, and you'll know. The Holy Spirit will say, that's one right there. Do that one. And then he'll say, well, this is one right here. Do that one. And we can then together be giving out random acts of kindness. And even our, our little group here, we can begin to change the community. So I, I wanted to end with this, this phrase. Let's go out and let's do some reckless love together. Amen? Amen. Well, I'd like to, I'd like to pray for us. I'd like to pray uh, for us to be able to walk out some of these principles. I want to walk these principles out. I want my Lenten season to be able to mark every day where I was able to do something. You know, it can be a phone call to someone who you know needs a phone call. Do, do, does anybody have anyone in their life that if you call them, you, you open up your computer screen because you know this is going to be a long phone call. Be honest. Do you have people, anyone in your life? We've got about four honest people in the church. We all have someone in our life, we all have someone in our life who it's hard to get on the phone with them because they just talk so much that you can't hardly even get off. Call that person. Give them that phone call. I think you'll find a certain kind of release and a certain kind of blessing in it that you you couldn't find before so if you would uh, if you'd stand with me I'd like to pray a prayer over us that we would just let the Holy Spirit lead us 
And if you, if you want to make, like, you want to try this, you want to try this Lenten idea of giving out, then just tell the Lord that. Say, Lord, I'd like to try that. I'm not going to ask for hands or anything. It's just, it's just a, something that came to me on Friday, and it, I think it can be life-changing for us to be that deliberate about giving out. And um, who knows, maybe after Easter's over, we'll just keep doing it. We'll just keep giving out. We'll just keep looking for opportunities to, to do reckless love. Amen? But let's pray. Father, um, we acknowledge you are God. We acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And we know that we are the church. We are the hands and the feet and the voice and the kind eyes. We are the answer to the world. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory and it doesn't always look pretty out there and it doesn't always feel good and we don't always sense a reward but if we know we're obeying you then that's enough that is absolutely enough and we will let you take care of all of the rest I pray for everyone listening to my voice and all of us myself included you would change us by doing these acts of obedience to you, reaching out to the poor, the lost, the needy, the lonely, the traumatized. We pray, God, that we would have weeks ahead where we would be in tune with you, sensing your Holy Spirit and being obedient to your in Jesus' name, amen.
God, this week I would pray that we would choose to say yes to loving our neighbor. God, and as we say yes, I thank you that that is a choice for us to praise you. That is a choice for us to glorify you. And I pray that we would do it for that reason and that reason alone. So God, in our communities, maybe even in our workplaces, maybe in our families and the relationships that we have, I pray that we would choose to say yes to sharing your goodness and your glory with someone else. God, I thank you for every heart that's here this morning. Thank you for Pastor Lloyd and the word that he has brought that is just simply revolutionary. Thank you for the the choice to be obedient to you and to glorify you with what we do week in and week out. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor Lloyd, thank you for being here, you and your wife. It's been uh, incredible. Uh, Visit Pastor Lloyd um, today. Also, go on the website, victorycoh.org. You can link up on Facebook as well as he said, Victory Ministries. There's videos, there's resources on there. There's also a table in the back as well. So check that out as well and say hi, okay? We love you, church. Have a great week. Treasure